Egg Green Tree family uh, here in St. Louis and scattered uh, about. Good morning. Uh, welcome to our worship service. Uh, again, we've been worshiping in song, uh, at the children's second grade Bibles. That was awesome. My name is Tom Ricks. I'm one of the pastors here at Green Tree. Uh, it's good to be with you this morning. I don't know if you're in St. Louis or not, but it's a gorgeous morning in St. Louis. I got up early and, and sat on the porch and read and just uh, had some nice quiet time this morning. It feels like uh, a Michigan or a uh, uh, maybe a Colorado uh, day in St. Louis. So we don't get those very often in St. Louis. So we're, we're happy, uh, happy to have that kind of break in the weather. I'm also happy because of what Stephen Copeland told you a couple minutes ago. We have a, a plan for reopening that uh, the, the planning team has been putting together. They will be recommending that to the session. The session uh, needs to give their final approval to that. Uh, that'll be happening the next week or so. But uh, with uh, hopefully with everything going well, July 12, we'll be back together. And prior to that, as Stephen mentioned, we're going to have a couple of evenings uh, where we offer a Bible study on June the 30th and also on July the 7th. And those studies will be the same study each night. So we're trying to reach as many folks as possible with those. And they will complement the sermon series on emotions. Uh, Gina Roth and Peggy Dimitri and myself will be hosting. Gina will be doing most of the teaching because uh, she's the expert. Uh, the registration for that will be forthcoming. It's not out there now, so don't go look for it. You won't be able to find it. But we are very excited uh, that we're moving towards the opportunity to be back together again. The emotion that we're going to be considering this morning is the emotion of peace. Uh, let me invite you to turn in your Bibles to Psalm chapter 34. Psalm 34. Uh, just a minute, we'll be looking at the first 14 verses of that psalm as we consider uh, the emotion that God gives us of peace. Now, let me begin by asking a question. How important do you think peace is uh, in the biblical narrative? If you were to read your Bible, how many times would the word peace show up? Well, almost enough that you could read one verse a day on peace in a, in a year. 361 times uh, in the Old Testament and the New Testament passages, we see the word peace. I want to suggest to you this morning that, it, that it's a, a central part of our relationship with God. Here's some Old Testament verses, uh, which you're seeing on your screen. Uh, Unto us, Isaiah writes, the son is given, and the government shall be on his shoulder, and his name shall be called. And there's several names, but one of those names is Prince of Peace. So as Isaiah spoke for God promising the Messiah, the Messiah was going to come and set everything right, one of the names he was given was Prince of Peace. Uh, a couple other verses later on Isaiah, and the effect of righteousness will be peace. The effect of a right relationship with God. If I'm in right relationship with God, it means that there's going to be peace between me and God, but also, as we're going to talk about this morning, that peace is going to go out to the folks around me. Uh, and then Isaiah crying out to the people of Israel, oh, that you had paid attention to my commandment, then your peace would have been like a river. And then the prophet Ezekiel said, I shall make a covenant of peace with them, and it shall be an everlasting covenant. God intends for peace to be one of the, the descriptors of our everlasting relationship with him. But there are also many verses in the New Testament uh, that speak to peace, and I'll just mention a couple of those this morning. Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, probably his most famous sermon of all time, blessed are the peacemakers, those who work hard for peace. Peace just doesn't come to us. It's something that, that we roll up our sleeves and we, we pay attention to. Blessed are the peacemakers. They shall be called sons of God. You look like your daddy when you are pursuing peace. Jesus said to his disciples on, in a moment when they were very, very troubled, the night before he went to the cross, and he said to them, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you, therefore let not your hearts be troubled or afraid. When God gives his peace, uh, we, can, we can literally uh, calm down, so to speak, and know that he is in control. Paul writes in Romans chapter 5, verse 1, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. God initiates that peace through Jesus. And then Paul says uh, later on in Colossians, uh, my friend Jeff Coverdale reminded me of this verse this week. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Is the peace of Christ ruling in my heart this morning? Is the peace of Christ ruling 
in your heart this morning. Uh, as we look at the world around us, peace is probably not a word we would choose uh, to describe uh, our culture right now, our world right now. Psalm chapter 34, verses 1 through 14, hear the word of God. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. The poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who take ref takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you saints, for those who fear him have no lack. Young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, O children, listen to me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from seeking, speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. This is the reading of God's holy and perfect word. To him alone be glory. Will you pray with me? I'm going to give you a moment of peace uh, and quiet uh, to ask the Lord to speak to you this morning, and I'll lead us in prayer. Father, we bless your name this morning. Uh, as the word of the psalm we just read says, let's magnify, let's bless the name of the Lord together. Father, it's good that, that we come together and that we worship you. Father, I pray this morning that you would teach us of your peace, that you would help us to understand uh, that emotion that you give us uh, more clearly, uh, that we would understand that Peace is not tied to our circumstances. Uh, that's how I usually define it, Lord. I, I had a nice, quiet morning on the front porch, and it was peaceful. Uh, but peace is not really whether my life is okay or not okay, as I define it. Peace is really based on my relationship with you. And so, Lord, I pray that you would teach us uh, of your peace this morning, not only that you give it to us, but also that as you give it to us, you call us to share it with others. Father, our nation, uh, our communities, our neighborhoods, our families need your peace. We pray that you would teach us that this morning. Father, I pray that you would forgive my sin, that it would not be a hindrance to what you want us to understand and apply to our lives today. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. True peace is offered and given by God through Jesus and must grow in our hearts as we share it with others. That's our sermon in a sentence this morning. There are all kinds of ways that peace can be described, but we're going to talk about biblical peace today, and therefore we're talking about true peace. Uh, it's offered. It's given to us by God, not just innately in our, in our being, but, but there is a relationship that's being built between us and God that brings peace into our lives. And that relationship comes through the Lord Jesus Christ and His a sacrificial death on the cross for us as he uh, offers himself on our behalf, creates the opportunity for us to uh, receive that grace as our Savior and our Lord. Uh, but then God calls us to grow in peace and also to share that with others. So let's talk about uh, that this morning. I have five observations. I'm going to go through the first four pretty quickly, as I define pretty quickly, probably not as you define it, uh, because I want to get to uh, the fifth observation, which is really a question, and it's really on the, the application of these, this passage this morning. Uh, so how do, we, how do we pursue peace? Uh, how do we seek after it? I would suggest in this passage uh, that the first understanding of that is that worship is the foundation of peace. Look at verses 1 
through three. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. If I'm going to be on a pathway of peace, I need to understand that, that peace begins with my praise, my worship of God. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Uh, if I am going to, uh, to be a person of peace, it's going to begin with me praising and worshiping God, of putting God in his rightful place. And also notice in verse 1 that that praise, that worship, that, that, that exalting God is constant and it's habitual. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. It's not just a, a Sunday morning, uh, whether it's virtual or whether hopefully here in a month we're gathered together, uh, but it is something that is daily. It's something that's hourly. It's actually something that's moment by moment, that my life, my relationship with God is a life of worship. But also notice in verse 2 uh, that we're invited to do this publicly. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Let somebody else hear me worshiping. Uh, while I was waiting for the everything to get going this morning, I was sitting at the piano. And I took piano lessons when I was a kid. It was probably a waste of money. But the song that was floating through my head was, A Worship the King, All Glorious Above. Uh, we gratefully sing of His wonder and His love. Our shield, our defender, the Ancient of Days, pavilioned in splendor and girded with praise. It's a song of worship. And I plunked it out on the right hand on the piano. And it took me a little bit to get there because there was a minor note in there, as you musicians know. But I finally got to where I could play the right hand through. You probably wouldn't have wanted to hear that, but but the psalmist is inviting others to, to listen in, to join in, that our worship is to be shared publicly. And also notice uh, the invitation in verse 3, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Don't just, don't just hear and be glad of what you hear, but come on and join. Magnify the Lord with me. Let's exalt his name together. The invitation is to join in. Uh, all three of uh, my adult children in the last few weeks have been trading back and forth with me and with one another a variety of different articles. Uh, and we're looking at the racial unrest in our country. We're looking at the, uh, the, the, the violence, the riots. We're looking at, at, at COVID, the whole kind of the whole nine yards, so to speak. And we're trading articles with one another. Uh, hey, I read a great article in the National Review. Hey, I found something over here in, in the Atlantic I thought would be helpful. And we're, we're just trading ideas. We're, we're doing life together. That's what David's saying here. Let's worship together. It's, it would be natural that if we're in a relationship with one another, we're in a relationship with God, that we would do this together. We would join in. Worship is a foundation of peace. Why is that true? Well, because secondly... God listens to and cares for his people. Look at verses 4 through 7. I sought the Lord, and he answered me. He delivered me from all of my fears. Those who look to him are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. The poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. One of the reasons we worship God is not just because of who he is, although that is, that is plenty reason to worship God. We need no other reason to worship God other than the fact that he is the exalted king of kings and lord of lords. But he gives us, by his grace and his mercy, visible, touchable, experienceable reasons to worship him. And so I've put some little notes to, to the outside of each one of these. Uh, the first is... To understand that God is listening and caring means I must look back. Verse 4, I sought the Lord, and he answered me, delivered me from all of my fears. That's past tense. <clears throat> Excuse me, what David is saying is I look back in my life, and I can see where the Lord cares for me. How much time have I spent this week looking back at my life? I just got a note on my phone that said my screen time was up 9% from the week before. I'm trying to get my screen time down. But how much time do I, do I, how much screen time do I spend looking back at the faithfulness of God. That's one of the reasons I'm going to praise him. If I look back and I see how he's worked in my life, that's going to create 
more peace in my heart. It's going to create more joy in my heart, more thankfulness in my heart. But I not only look back at what God has done, I also look at what God is doing. David says, look, uh, those who looked to him, the, the folks around me, the, the people right now that are looking to him, they're radiant. He's shining upon them and their faces shall never be ashamed. It helps me in my worship of God and in the development of peace in my life to look and see what God is doing in the lives of others. Uh, just in the last week, uh, folks have shared with me different experiences that they've had in their relationship with God and their in, in their own neighborhood and their own families. And those things have been encouraging. They've been radiant to me. They've reminded me of what God is doing now. But also, uh, I must look inward. Verse 6, this poor man cried. <laughs> Talking about himself, this poor man cried. And the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. If I'm going to experience the emotion of peace, I have to apply it to myself. I have to look not only at how God's working in your life, but I look inward at how God's working in my life, and I, I internalize, I personalize, I make it my own. God's just not out there doing things. He's doing things in my own heart. My identity is wrapped up in my relationship with God as He is the Redeemer in my life. Therefore, verse 7 says, I must look up. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear Him and delivers them. We're now looking to God for salvation. This is why we worship and why worship is the foundation for peace. So if that's true, then uh, this notion of growth and sharing with others is where we want to move to next. And my my third observation is we think about the process of peace growing in our hearts, and we think about the process of sharing peace with others. Uh, the first observation here, which is the third of the five observations, is that our theology is important. We must know uh, who God really is. Look at verses 8 through 10, another invitation. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. Those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Let's just talk for a minute about the three qualities of God that are mentioned here. First, that God is good. And that, that word good, it, we ought to settle on that word uh, for uh, some meditation. Perhaps this week would be good for you to just to kind of get alone and think about the goodness of God, that God's motives are pure, that God's motives are to bring glory uh, to himself in his love and his care for us. God is not out to punish us. God is not out to do us harm. There are times when God disciplines us. There are times when God loves us so much, he's not going to let us keep walking down a bad pathway but all of God's attitudes and all of God's actions, even though sometimes it's hard to understand, are good because God in his essence is good. God is also, according to these verses, a refuge, right? Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. When you think about refuge, you think about a place of safety. You think about a place where if someone's after you, someone's seeking to harm you, you can go to this place and you can be safe. Uh, most often that should be with our family. Unfortunately, sometimes it's not. Unfortunately, sometimes we live in families that, that hurt one another, but we ought to uh, be in a, in a family where God's glorified and, and it's a safe place. Uh, and that part of our Bible study uh, in the coming weeks is going to talk about uh, how we uh, develop emotional uh, safety in some ways in our lives. Uh, but this notion of God being a refuge, that he is a safe place, and also that he is a provider. Fear the Lord. Those who fear him have no lack. The young lions can go hungry. There can be a famine. There can, the watering holes can dry up. The zebras can, and the antelope that the lions feast on can, can be hard to find. They can, they can suffer, but those who seek the Lord lack what no good thing. Not by my definition, but by God's definition, I'll, I'll lack no good thing. So because God is good and a refuge and a provider, the author of the psalm, David says, so taste, see, hold God 
in awe. That's what it means to fear him, to, to reverence God. I, I love especially uh, the taste and see part of this. Have you ever uh, had somebody who, who's really good at cooking? Just an amazing, you know, they're just really great at it. And you're getting ready to, to sit down to dinner and you can smell it and it's killing you because you just want to get to it. And, so, and they say to you, let me give you a taste. And you taste, you're like, I can't wait to get to the main course. It's unbelievable. It's amazing. That's the notion here. If you taste it, you're going to see uh, how amazing God is. And see, uh, I love that too. Whether, whether, because when I think of, of seeing something, I think about seeing a sunrise. Uh, or I, I think about seeing uh, the ocean. I think about seeing my each of my three kids uh, being born. I think about seeing amazing things. Of course, I'm going to mention the Stanley Cup a year ago. You know I can't uh, do anything without mentioning that. But the notion of seeing, uh, Dave is saying, come on and experience this. That's how, um, that's how peace is going to be developed in your life because our view of God impacts everything. If I see God as stern and, and disappointed and disturbed because I don't do everything I'm supposed to, uh, that's going to hurt me and it's going to hurt my relationship with you because I'm going to become a, def a defensive person. I'm going to become a person that maybe attacks you before you attack me. I'm going to be a, a person that's hard to live with. And I have moments like that in my life. I have many moments in my life where I don't live in God's peace because I forget my view of God is important. Uh, but when I see the true love of God that he cherishes and redeems, that he loves unconditionally, it moves me Towards peace, so my theology is important. And fourthly, this is a minor point, point, but I want to I make it. I think it's it's important. Learning the value of peace in verses eleven and twelve. Come, O children, and listen to me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? This is this is a, uh, an invitation. David takes on the role of of either a father or maybe a grandfather or or maybe an uncle. Uh, but he takes on the role of one who has experience, and he's going to pass it on to others. And if you read it in reverse order, it might make a little bit more sense to you. Do you want to have a good life? Do you, do you want to have long days? Then come and listen, and I will teach you how to get there. And the way you get there is to be in a right relationship with God, the fear of the Lord. So uh, parents, let me talk to you for just a minute, and, and, and grandparents and, and aunts and uncles as well. But those of us that have influence in the lives of younger ones, we are called to teach them the right pathway, the right pathway to the emotional health of peace. And that pathway is through a relationship with God. It's not through having more stuff. It's, it's not through never having problems. It's not through being protected from the challenges that are in this world that they're going to face as they get older. It's not through trying to try to paint everything as simple and good and nice. It's through helping them learn to focus on their God who loves them and delights in them and cherishes them. And so David rightly challenges you and me this morning as if we're folks who can influence the younger ones, learning the value of peace. And our children will only learn if we teach it to them. And the other neat part of that is we learn through teaching. Uh, I've learned more about this passage than you're going to learn this morning because I've spent lots of hours in it, and you're spending about 35 minutes in it. That's the value I get from preaching because I learn by teaching. Let me encourage us to make sure we are teaching our children. Let's build on those second-grade Bibles and help them understand God's love and care for them, which will lead them to a life that includes God's peace in their heart. But my fifth observation is actually a question. How do I know if growth is happening? How do I know if I'm, if I am, if I'm becoming a person of peace who's sharing that with others? And I want to suggest to you this morning that verses 13 and 14 help answer that question. And it's going to be the only place in the passage where the word peace is actually mentioned. Uh, is peace present in my life? Well, the first question I need to ask along those lines is this. Am I an enemy of original hate speech? Am I an enemy of original hate speech? A lot of folks are out there saying this is hate speech and that is hate speech. God actually has already defined hate speech for us. We don't have to look to our fellow human beings for a definition. We can go straight to God. And it's in this passage. Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Hate speech is defined by God of anything that is an evil intent and is untruthful. And I've had both of those in my heart. 
And before I die, I'll have both of those in my heart again. And I need to confess those sins and repent of those sins because there are times when my heart is evil, which means it's bent on what I want and how I want. And I'm going to use my power, my influence, my strength, whatever I have, whatever resource I have, I'm going to use to get what I want. And I don't care if I hurt others in the process. That, that's evil. It takes God completely out of the equation. It says, God's of, of no use to me. God's not worthy of my worship. I'm going to be the king of my life. I'm going to be the God of my life. I'm going to live for myself. And that is hate speech because it's going to hurt others just as much as not valuing and telling the truth. It actually is a, my words are an attack on others. And Jesus says as much in Matthew chapter 15, uh, verse 19, it says this, Jesus is speaking and he says this, what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. From from the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft. Now you could stop there and go, man, those, those are terrible things, but look what else is on that par. Look what else is on that level. A false witness and slander, things that are coming out of our mouth that do harm to others. James and his uh, epistle puts it this way in chapter 3, and, and I'm just reading a brief part of, of chapter 3. You can read more of it, but verse 7 says this, Every kind of beast and bird, of reptile, of the sea, a creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, by humanity, but no human being can tame the tongue or their own tongue. It is a restless evil, there's that word, full of deadly poison. We're hypocrites. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not be so. What I can look for in my life to see growth of peace in my life is, am I moving away from hateful speech? Am I moving away from evil speech? Am I recognizing the moments when I attack others with my voice? And it's not just with my voice, brothers and sisters. Uh, we, it's much more convenient now. You don't have to be face-to-face -face with somebody more. You can just send an email. You can just send a text, and in a sentence or two, you can absolutely destroy uh, a person's peace. Uh, you, can, you can get what you want uh, via, via text and email today. Let me encourage all of us as I encourage myself. I'm on the learning curve right along with you. There are moments when I send notes I should not send, uh, and, I, and I regret those deeply, and I want to have God take them all away from me and never, ever do it again in my life. I, uh, that would be wonderful it was, if it were true, but it is so convenient for us to hide behind technology today as we attack others. If we're going to be people of peace, we'll begin to see a lack of desire to do that. We'll begin to see uh, a godly shame that comes into our hearts when we know that we've used our voice in whatever capacity we do so to bring harm to others. If we begin to see that and begin to grieve that and begin to repent of that and turn towards God, I think it's the first indicator that peace may be beginning to make its way into our lives. But secondly, not only that, but do we go the opposite directions? Are we becoming champions of the truth? Not only not lying, but, but speaking uh, the truth to others. Uh, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15, I forgot to put the reference there. Paul says this, this is Ephesians, excuse me, Ephesians 3. Uh, Paul says this, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way, in, every way into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Not only are we uh, looking out for those evil moments, but I think the, the, the uh, opposite of that is true. Also, we need to be looking for moments where we can use our words to bring about peace. Uh, and that comes through truth-telling motivated by love. Now, that's important that you put those two together, because love without truth is, is really just patronizing someone, and truth without love can be a, a baseball bat uh, used against someone. But when you combine the two, <coughs> excuse me, what we're after really is caring for others well. 
I'm becoming a big fan of a man named Ted Johnson. Excuse me, Theodore, Theodore R. Johnson. Uh, he uh, is an exceptional human being. I don't know if he's a believer or not. I'm going to read you his resume real quick, and then I'm going to read because I'm going to read you a quote. Theodore R. Johnson, Ted Johnson, is a senior fellow at the Brennan Center for Justice. His work explores the role of race plays in electrical, elect, electoral politics, issue framing, and disparities in policy outcomes. Previously, he was a national fellow at New American and research manager at Deloitte. He's also a retired commander in the U.S. Navy, following a two-decade career that included service at a white, as a White House fellow, military professor at the U.S. Naval War College, and speechwriter to the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. His work has, appear, has appeared in the Washington Post, the Atlantic, New York Times, Wall Street Journal, National Review, and Politico, among other publications. He teaches law and public policy to master's and doctoral students and is currently working on a book about national solidarity and race relations. Johnson holds a BS in mathematics from Hampton University, an ALM with a concentration in international relations from Harvard University, and a doctorate of law and policy from Northwestern University. He certainly uh, has the uh, credentials uh, to speak. But I, I found, I read a quote by him this week that struck me as true. And it also struck me as loving, as someone who deeply cares about his country. And I want to read this for you. If we're to capitalize on the present crisis to strengthen America and make the union a little more perfect, we are duty bound to grapple with the abiding sense of injustice that is felt in the black America and fuel civil unrest today, just as it has for centuries. Now, I understand that you could potentially read that and, and, and be bothered by those words. Uh, and I would encourage you to read Johnson. He, he has a lot of articles out there right now, not just this particular one, which was published uh, just about a week ago. But this is a man, he, you can just tell, he has a deep and abiding love for his country. The things about which he writes grieve him when he's pointing out the things that he believes are hurting our country. And to me, that just speaks truth. It speaks truth and love. I can listen to somebody give me a critique if I know they love me. If I think you're out to get me, not so much. But as I hear his words, they kind of wash over me. And I'm like, you know what, that, that just sounds true. And I believe if we're going to be, a, if we are people of peace, if God's peace is invading our lives, it gives us the capacity to grapple, as he says, with things that are, that are deeply disturbing on a lot of different levels, but, but to grapple with them not in a defensive posture, not in an accusatory posture, but as brothers and sisters in Christ wanting to care for our greater culture, not just our own little church. But also, we will become not only uh, enemies of original hate speech and champions of the truth, and I'm, I'm going to go just a little bit long this morning, so just hang with me, guys. We're going to become active agents of good. Let me take you back to Psalm 34. Turn away from evil and do good. Now, if you're like me, you go, that sounds great. What, where do I start? What, what exactly does that mean? Do good. How, how do I know if I'm doing good? Well, I'm glad you asked because the Bible answers that question. I'm going to take us to Micah chapter 6, verse 8 this morning. Micah 8 says this. He's shown you, oh man, he's shown everybody what is good. There it is. And what does the Lord require of you? But two, and I'm going to, there are three. I'm going to give you the first one. We're going to go in order. But to do justice to do justice. It means that we care about people being protected under the law, just as God cares deeply about justice. I want to give you another quote uh, from Ted uh, Johnson this morning. He says this, uh, as he looks around at, at what he sees as kind of a genesis of concern for justice spilling out into the larger American landscape. The new wrinkle is evident uh, the new wrinkle is evident in how many more Americans of all kinds are explicitly interested in the liberty of their fellow black citizens uh, is a sacred, ins excuse me, insisting that the liberty of their fellow black citizens is as sacred as their own. This is no small matter. Given our nation's origin, getting to this point is a testament to exceptionalism. 
but the pat's on the back, and there, the thing is not resolved. He says, we're moving, we're inching, we're taking some steps towards justice, and that's because America is an exceptional place, and, and, and I believe that as well. But it will be more exceptional when God's justice impacts every corner, every people, every part of our culture. So if you want to do good, be an agent that seeks for justice, but secondly, also be a person of mercy. He's shown you, a oh man, is what is good and what is the Lord required of you, but to do justice and to love kindness. You see a couple of pictures there uh, of 2028 yesterday. I'm going to read for you. I, if you were in before the service began, you heard uh, Nancy and Javi talking a little bit about 2028. I, I want to read you just a real quick email that I received from Nancy uh, late yesterday. Uh, it says this, uh, hi everyone, and I would take in a moment to thank you all for allowing us to move forward with 2028 this year. Uh, she sent this to the elders of the church. I knew there were a lot of hard conversations to get to where we did, and I am very thankful that you approved that we approved what we proposed. Today was a really special day for our church family and the families that we served at the drive-through food giveaway. Some of our volunteers said this was the best 2028 ever, in spite of masks, gloves, etc. We will continue 2028 summer of service with serving opportunities in July and August. I will make sure that we follow guidelines in place. I already have a good list of volunteers that want to do more, and then here's. What I, what I really love. Here's loving kindness. I, my hope and prayer is that the changes made this year because of COVID will change how we serve in the future and that 2028 will become the mindset and the heart of our congregation. It won't just be a day in June that we all get together to go serve, but a year-long series of serving opportunities to uh, be in our community and to make a difference for those in need. I appreciate all you do and how you lead our church. Can't wait to see you uh, and talk to you in person, Nancy Pratt. That's the notion of mercy. It's the notion of loving kindness, that it actually becomes a way of life. Spend some time today showing kindness to someone else. Make a note of it. Uh, look for the opportunity. It can be right in your own home. It doesn't have to be in a service day like 2028. But if you want to know if peace is taking root in your heart, and if I want to know if peace is taking root in my heart, it's going to be because I see mercy. I see kindness growing. And then the third aspect of this, now we're getting a little bit, we're inching to the end, uh, is be active ages for good. How? He's showing you what he requires, do justice, love kindness, kindness, and walk humbly with your God. What does that mean, to walk humbly with God? Well, let me tell you how I define it for myself. It means that I get as close as I possibly can, and I stay right there next to Jesus. That when I see what Jesus did, when I see how Jesus lived his life, when I see how Jesus moved among people, uh, I want that. And I'm going to submit my will to his. I do not have Jesus as an advisor in my life. He is my Lord. I bow the knee to Jesus. Last Monday night, we had uh, 100 yards, 1,000 prayers. And our group uh, met in the yard. And uh, we had a combination of white folks and black folks. And we were talking and we were praying. And one of my one of my brothers said, I'm really struggling with, uh, I have been really struggling with this concept of these three words, black lives matter. Now he was talking about, and I am talking about this morning, those three words. We're not talking about a political organization. We're not talking about uh, uh, an agenda. We're talking about the philosophy, those three words, black lives matter. And he said, I, I've struggled with that because I think all lives matter. And, I, and yet I know that, that that seems wrong mine. And he said, and then I came across something. And I read it, and all of a sudden it clicked for me. Now it makes sense. And here's what he read. Instead of saying all lives matter, Jesus said Samaritan lives matter. Instead of saying all lives matter, Jesus said children's lives matter. Instead of saying all lives matter, Jesus said Jewish lives matter. Instead of saying all lives matter, Jesus said Gentile lives matter. Instead of saying all lives matter, Jesus said women's lives matter. 
And instead of saying all lives matter, Jesus said lepers' lives matter. Stop there for just a second, Javi. Stay on that screen. Don't move it forward yet. I'll finish the quote in a minute. If you study the New Testament carefully, you will begin to grasp how radical those statements are. And I know you could be sitting there going, wait a minute, Jesus did say all lives matter. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son and whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. There it is, all lives matter. Yes, that's true. But Jesus is specifically speaking to those who were outcasts, including the Jewish folks, because they were under the thumb of, of, of the invading Roman legions. He was speaking to groups of people who were disenfranchised. He was speaking to people who were vulnerable. He was speaking, so to speak, to the quartet, the widow, the quartet of the vulnerable, the widow, the orphan, the alien, the stranger, those who are oppressed. And in that context, my friend said, this is beginning to make sense to me. Uh, if you don't realize how much the Jews hated the Samaritans and vice versa, you can't appreciate the amount of bigotry that was in Jesus's day as well. We, we haven't created any new sins in America. We're simply repeating the old ones. But the quote goes on to say this, and now if you could go to the next page, that would be, that would be great. Even though Jesus loves everyone, even to the point of dying for their sins, he went out of his way to intentionally help specific groups of people, the alienated, the mistreated, and those seeking justice. So saying Black Lives Matters and participating in seeking justice, empowerment, and reform is one of the most Christ-like things I can do. I put the I in there because I'm speaking for myself. I'm not speaking for you. I'm not speaking for anyone else. I'm not to, trying to convince anyone what they should or shouldn't think about that phrase, Black Lives Matter. But for me, as it, as it was for my, for my fellow brother on Monday night, it pulled all that together. And walking humbly with God, for me, means Black Lives Matter. It means other things, but it certainly means that as well. And so if you want to be an agent for good, justice, mercy, and walking humbly with God is a key. But let's look at one last thing, and I told you I was going to long, and I'm going to stop. Back to verse 14, turn away from evil and do good. And we finally come to the word peace. Seek peace and pursue it. What David is saying there is we've got to be trackers of peace. We've got to be relentless. We've got to get after it. And, and here's the definition of, of, of pursue. Relentless following in order to overtake, to find, obtain, or accomplish. So to, to seek peace, you go, well, yeah, I'm kind of looking for it. But to pursue it means you got laser focused and you're after it and you're not going to stop till it's done. So now I'm going to show you a map of New Zealand. <laughs> How's that for a segue? A map of New Zealand, because I, I put in uh, my Google search last week, what's the longest uh, car chase ever in police history? And I found an article about a, a, a high-speed chase that took place in New Zealand several years ago that was 450 miles long and 16 hours. So that doesn't sound very high speed, but when you read about it, you'll find all the, all the different twists and turns and stops and starts. But, but the, per, the police pursued this, this person for 16 hours and 450 miles. They weren't going to give up. They weren't going to stop. They weren't going to be dissuaded. They were, they were going to you know, get their person, so to speak. Is that how I feel about peace? Is that peace living in my heart so that I insist that we look at things a different way, that I look at things a different way? that I long to live in a community where we really do love each other unconditionally, not because we have to, not because somebody guilts us into it, but because the peace of God is ruling and reigning and growing in my heart. Peace is a God-given emotion. It grows through the worship of God, our knowledge of Him and His love for us but it's always been intended to be shared with others through justice, through kindness, through the humility of the believer that gets up next to Jesus and just follows him. And in doing so, shares his peace. Will you pray with me?
Father, this morning, we do not live in a culture of peace. And we bear some of that responsibility. Father, we pray that you would grow peace in our hearts and that you would give us the courage to share that peace with others. A lot of folks right now, Lord, would say peace isn't what we need. We need more unrest. We need, we need you know, more uh, whatever, demonstrations. And, and, and there's nothing wrong with, with peaceful demonstrations. There's nothing wrong with getting out and making your voice heard. But, 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 but some believe that agitation is the way to get something done. Father, the way to change this world is by us humbly following the Prince of Peace, loving His justice, loving His kindness, allowing it to flood into our lives so that we see ourselves as our Father sees us in order that we might share with others. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's continue. Hey, Green Tree, before we go, uh, I should have said at the beginning of the sermon, if you have a question or comment you want to share uh, after the service, or you want me to, to answer a question or uh, address a thought you have, text it to us, uh, send it in to us, and um, Javi will read them to me. So uh, I should have mentioned that earlier, but it's not too late to, to send something, and we'll stick around for uh, a few minutes after the service. Uh, I want to remind you to be praying for uh, Vacation Bible School. It's coming up. Uh, pretty soon, uh, as it's going to be done in all kinds of uh, backyards uh, in and around uh, St. Louis. We'll also remind you to pray for our continual plans at the open for our Bible study times on June the 30th and July 7th, and then our hope for uh, opening date of July 12th. And now receive the Lord's benediction that I gladly offer to you in His name. May the peace of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit rest and abide in our hearts and move us to be a people of active peace until the day we see him face to face. Amen. Lord bless you. Go in peace. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you very much for whispering in my ear. Uh, if you would like prayer with a Stephen minister, uh, there should be a little note going across the bottom of your screen right now. Uh, that this is a new thing, and I, I should have remembered it. We did it for the first time last week. We'll do this every Sunday when we're streaming. If you would like prayer for anything at all, uh, text that number, and uh, within uh, just a moment or two, uh, a Stephen minister from here at Green Tree Community Church will call you and will spend some time in prayer with you. So you make sure you do that if you need prayer this morning, because they are they're ready to go. So. Javi, I, I was late on asking for comments or questions, but I, if any come in, we're happy to happy to chat about them. He's kind of like Javi was here with me last Sunday. Now he's he's at home again this week. I miss you, Javi. I wish you were in here. <laughs> uh, All lives matter. Quote. Uh, I will, uh, I can put it on my uh, Facebook page or Javi, could we, um, could we pull it off of the PowerPoint and put it somewhere where folks could get it? What do you, what do you think? I'm, I'm happy to put it on my Facebook page if that's the, but I guess not everybody is on Facebook. So what do you think would be best? Okay. Okay. Javi will find a way to, to put that out there so folks can can access it. If um, if you if you can't get to it, shoot me an email, Tom at GreenTreeChurch.com. That's my email address, Tom at GreenTreeChurch.com, and I'll be more than happy to cut and paste and send it to you. And I don't know the the author uh, of that. I'll see if I can dig that up because I always like to to give credit uh, and make sure folks aren't thinking I'm 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 taking somebody's and and taking credit for it. So if I can find the author's name, I'll, I'll do that as well. Molly Higgins is creating the, the, the sign up for the Bible study. She created the something Bible video. I didn't hear the other word. Oh, thank you. I am sorry. Molly Higgins created the second grade Bible uh, handout video. So Molly Higgins, thank you very much 
Molly, I want to say, is going into her senior year at Kirkwood High School. I think that's right. Um, so thank you, Molly, for doing that. We appreciate it very much. And if I got your grade wrong, please forgive me. But I think I'm right on that. I think you're going to be a senior next fall. You're welcome. And who said that? Pat Gunn. Thank you, Pat Gunn, uh, for the encouragement on the, the message. You said it was timely and, and helpful. And I, I appreciate that. I certainly hope so. That that's, you know, when you when you prepare a sermon, you want it to be something that's gonna help folks, that's for sure. How do I look during awkward silence? Do I do I look okay? Or do I look like I'm nervous? <laughs> I'm actually pretty comfortable. I can I, I'm okay hanging out. All right, we can sign off too, or we can stick around for another minute. Well, Javi, what do you what do you what your call? Great. Who I got the what they said. Who said it? Kathy Harkey, thanks to the team that's been working on getting us back in the building. So you guys know who you are if you're on that team. Kathy Harkey says thank you for being thoughtful and being prayerful, uh, and I agree with her. Uh, uh, they have been all of those things and more. All right, guys, thanks for being together this morning. We look forward to uh, seeing you next Sunday. Uh, uh, we'll continue to stream even after we move back into the building, but we all do look forward to the time when we uh, we get to begin to come back together again. So the Lord bless you. Have a great week. Sweet, this love so rare.